0: You're listening to Municast, the podcast that discusses municipal leadership. Season 4 of Municast is brought to you by SASTEL's Innovation and Collaboration team. SASTEL can help you sort through the noise to create solutions that add value quickly. Whether it's reducing your environmental footprint, driving investment, community development, or just saving money, contact your SASTEL account manager to find out more. MuniCast is hosted by SUMA, the voice of Saskatchewan's hometowns. I'm Stephanie, SUMA's Education and Events Coordinator, and in Season 4 of MuniCast, we are tuning in to the 2023 SUMA Convention and Trade Show and speaking to some of the key participants. On this episode, I'm joined by Minister Everett Hindley, Minister of Mental Health and Addictions, Seniors and Rural and Remote Health, and a participant in SUMA's Bear Pit. The Bear Pit Session at the SUMA Convention is a great opportunity for municipal leaders to connect with provincial ministers to ask questions and make their concerns heard. We look forward to the dialogue that happens in the Bear Pit Session each year. SUMA's current cornerstone advocacy issue is mental health and addictions, and we are thankful to have this opportunity to ask some of the questions that we have for Minister Hindley before the SUMA Convention in April. Minister Hinley grew up on a family farm near Melfort, Saskatchewan, and had an early career in broadcasting before working for MLA Brad Wall in 1999. In 2018, Minister Hinley was elected as the MLA for Swift Current and was re-elected in the 2020 provincial election. During his years of public service, Minister Hinley has been part of several international trade missions helping to promote Saskatchewan's interests. He is a member of the SASC Builds and Management Committee and currently serves as the Minister of Mental Health and Addictions, Seniors and Rural and Remote Health. Welcome, Minister Hinley, and thank you very much for joining me today for this conversation.
1: Hi, Stephanie. Great to be here.
0: As you know, SUMA's current cornerstone advocacy issue is mental health and addictions. It's important to us that we advocate on this issue whenever we have the opportunity, as it has been a growing concern for many Saskatchewan municipalities and citizens. What programs and services do the government of Saskatchewan have available for individuals dealing with mental health and addictions?
1: It is a, a growing area for for us as a government, and I, and I know for for municipal leadership uh, as well, something that that I've heard about uh, when uh, whether it's at the Suma Convention or, or speaking directly with mayors and councilors right across uh, right across uh, Saskatchewan. You know I'm fortunate to serve as, as Saskatchewan's first minister of mental health and, and addictions, and and you know in the past couple of years, that I've had the opportunity to serve in this capacity. We've been trying to expand upon some of the programs and supports that we do have where we're spending record levels of of funding into the area of mental health and addictions. In this year's budget, it's about $470 million that that we're spending on any number of programs and services. And whether it is, you know, in both of these areas, whether it's uh, in the area of addictions, you know, in prevention and harm reduction and treatment, uh, long-term rec- treatment and recovery options, or in the area of mental health, whether it's, uh, you know, uh, as an example, the expansion of, uh, uh, of some of our programs, uh, such as the Mental Health and Addictions Information System, the expansion of, of uh, walk-in mental health clinics, some of the virtual options that are provided out there, and, and I think another area of importance for us as well. And something that we're striving towards is a better cooperation and collaboration between ministries between because this isn't, you know, this is a, a multi ministry and frankly, uh, a multi ministry approach, but also, frankly, a multi jurisdictional approach too between us, the federal government, municipal leadership as well. And just from the uh, government of Saskatchewan's perspective, we're trying to better align the services and programs that we do have so that we can identify where there may be gaps. You know, we, uh, for example, we fund uh, programs and supports directly through this ministry, but some we actually jointly fund, uh, perhaps with social services or with the Ministry of Education or the Ministry of Corrections and, and uh, Policing. So we want to make sure that we're providing uh, those supports and making sure that it's better coordinated and well-coordinated for people so that it's, it's easy to be able to access, find that information and, and that they're able to get that, uh, the information uh, that, uh, that they need and when they need it and where they need it to, uh, as quickly and efficiently as possible.
0: You really touched on some of the, the key things about why this is so hard to to address. It is such a large issue. It crosses so many different, uh, different areas, different jurisdictions, and there, there can be gaps in that. So that alignment is, is such a key thing. According to some of the leading experts in the field, addiction's issues are caused by some form of trauma, access to addictive substances and significant stress. We've heard a lot about how the province t- intends to step up enforcement, but what sort of plans does the province have in place to better address pr- trauma proactively and to reduce major life stressors such as food and housing insecurities?
1: Yeah, it's it's a great point and, and that's what we're also trying to, to to drill down to as well. What, you know, what uh, what leads to some of these you know the challenges that people face, it and, and, and ends up putting them in, in a situation that they currently find themselves in. Because we can we can spend uh, all kinds of money towards uh, any number of of programs and and supports. But if you don't uh, if you don't drill down to what you know what uh, what's that what's that individual person's uh, what's their circumstances and how how did they arrive at that and how can we help address some of the some of the underlying causes? And I think you've touched on it. There there might be any number of reasons that a person finds himself uh, in a situation of 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 mental uh, stress or anxiety or in an addictions uh, challenge. And it could be, as you said, it could be a trauma from from some uh, something that uh, goes back a number of years. It can be, you know, uh, not having uh, uh, stable housing, for example, or, or employment, uh, you know, as an example, or some other instances like that. And and so it's important that in addition to providing the supports, and, and that's, you know, we're grateful for the, all the providers that do that, whether it's uh, healthcare professionals or those in the area of mental health and addictions, frontline support workers that do just outstanding work. And, and many of them, frankly, uh, do it having uh, lived and living experience. So they, 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 they've been down that path. And that helps them when they're when they're trying to help other people with this. But I, I think it's important that we do try to identify that. And uh, you know, as an example, we try to do that when it, when it comes to, to to helping someone with with an addictions challenge. And more often than not, that's often tied to uh, not always the case, but it's but it's often tied to to a mental health struggle, and then it leads to an addiction. And then how do you break that cycle? So you know, I think it's important for us. And while we do focus a lot on treatment and recovery and a pathway to that to help people uh, with those struggles, we also try to get down to what is it that's uh, you know, uh, got that person in that situation in the first place. So, um, and I think that's where you're starting to see as an example, if we can be uh, more preventative, uh, preventative in nature when it comes to these things, um, just as one example, we're expanding a program called Mental Health Capacity Building in Schools. Started off as a program, a bit of a pilot project two or three years ago, uh, based on the data that we got back and what we were hearing back from from the uh, the first handful of schools that, that initiated that program, uh, was working very well. And so we recently had uh, funding in, in this year's budget uh, and then expanded that into uh, more communities uh, this summer. Uh, and frankly, there was more... Uh, um, there were more applications that came in than, than there was funding for, and which is a, I guess, a good problem to have. But we think that that's just one example of where if we can, in the area of mental health, if we get get those supports in front of kids at a younger age, perhaps we can help address some of those things become, uh, before they become bigger challenges for them as, as young adults and adults into the future.
0: Absolutely. I've seen uh, some of those reports coming out about uh, the the schools and the mental health and teachers especially are really seeing uh, how students are struggling and are really pushing for uh, for some of those programs in the schools. And it's so important to address that at at an early age so that they have more time to to sort things out and, and move forward with their future in a productive way. One of the challenges for small and remote municipalities in Saskatchewan is the ability to access mental health and addiction services close to the community that they live in. Which municipalities can mental health and addiction services be accessed in? And are there any plans to expand access to these services into smaller communities and what role does regional collaboration play within that?
1: Yeah, it's a great question. And it's something that I think, you know, is a little bit unique to, to Saskatchewan. And, uh, you know, not that this doesn't happen in other provinces and territories, but uh, we do have a very, uh, you know, a very sparsely uh, populated province when you compare us to other you know jurisdictions in, in the country, in Ontario or Quebec, for example, or BC. Um, and so it does make it challenging because as we're trying to make sure that we provide access and supports and programs and services to people, we know that um, that it's, it can be a challenge to do that because it's, you know, while while we see that perhaps the highest concentrations of, you know, the need for these supports in a place like a Saskatoon or Regina um, or even in our regional centers like Swift so current where I am or a Yorkton or a Prince Albert, it, it doesn't mean that there aren't similar challenges that are posed or are felt in, in other communities. that might be, you know, towns, villages, uh, First Nations, Northern and remote communities. Um, I know it's something... Um, uh, Jim Lameg, the MLA for Athabasca, who serves as the Legislative Secretary uh, alongside with me as, as uh, in the area of mental health and addictions. I know it's something that he hears about up in northern Saskatchewan. I've had the opportunity to travel around this province and, and meet with uh, community leaders and, and those that uh, you know have um, an interest in, in this area. We have expanded, just as an example, of uh, the uh, the mental health walk-in clinic uh, program that's uh, run by Family Services Saskatchewan. And uh, it's been expanded in the last couple of years, including this year's budget, where it's now getting into communities that haven't been previously served by, by that service. Moose Jaw, Rosetown, Kindersley, uh, as an example. We now have that service in 31 communities. Um, and I'd argue it probably isn't enough because there's other communities that say we could use that service as well. So I think there's, you know, there's an opportunity to look at further expanding those sorts of uh, supports, you know, that complements some of the more intensive um, mental health supports that we have through, you know, uh, through the Ministry of Health and and, and government related supports, but this is another avenue for people, just like virtual is as well. And I and, and I know when talking to to community leaders in, in Northern Saskatchewan, that's uh, that's another barrier as well is being able to how do you access that? Just because you live, you know, you don't live in a major center, that shouldn't mean that you shouldn't have access to to some support. So I think there's an opportunity to continue to try and roll this out, either by having more of these types of whether it's walk-in mental health clinics in, in communities across the state, and sometimes it might be mobile services trying to meet people where they're at, and and having some some flexibility that way, uh, the ability to use virtual options as well. And if there's anything, if there's one thing that we've learned in the past couple of years of of uh, you know going through the pandemic and. Some of the restrictions that we had to deal with during those times uh, it was the ability to and uh, to utilize uh, virtual uh, services as well not that that replaces a you know a face-to-face uh, visit or a clinical visit but I think it can really be an important factor in that uh, as well and people become more comfortable in that so I just think it's something that uh, you know that we're trying to, to do as a government is make sure, making sure that we are providing these supports to as many people as broadly as we can regardless of where they live in this province.
0: I really like hearing about how, how those services have expanded and the different ways that they have from the mobile services to the virtual ones. I think that's, that's so valuable for being able to connect people, especially when it is hard to get to those in-person services. Across the province, SaskTel is engaged with many different municipal organizations who seek to innovate. Contact your SASTel account manager to learn more about some of these initiatives and how they can help your municipality today. Having a stable and reliable and safe place to live is a foundational need. It reduces the incidence of mental health problems and addictions, domestic violence, hospital admissions, arrests and incarceration, and both violent crime and property crime. Are there any plans for the Ministry of Health to work with the Ministry of Social Services to make better use of the 3,000 vacant social housing units in the province?
1: Yeah, it's a discussion we'd be having with uh, with the Ministry of Social Services and, and the minister there. Um, you know, they're responsible for, for that area of government when it comes to social housing and the uh, and the housing units that are available in the province. What I would say is that you know uh, I think it's something that we're trying to do, not just in this area, but uh, generally speaking as a government is to be is to be uh, and I kind of spoke to it earlier, but is to be a better coordinated and better aligned and, and less of a silo approach between between our ministries and between different levels of government. So, you know, those are conversations that I think are probably happening uh, as we speak. I know just locally in in the community that I represent as the MLA here in in Swift Current, I know that there is close collaboration between local officials with social services, um, with the Ministry of Health, uh, as well as mental health and addictions. As well, you know, including education, some of these other areas as well, making sure that, uh, you know, that we do have everybody working towards the same common goal, I think, in terms of, you know, improving situations for for people that find themselves in these challenges. example I can give that, you know, kind of speaks to this, but, uh, you know, uh, is uh, through, uh, we're we're funding and will soon be launching a program called Integrated Youth Services. Um, and and what, and that is based on a model that's been utilized in in some other provinces where we're coordinating a bunch of these different ministries, essentially to kind of a one-stop shop for youth to be able to access supports to, to government related programs and and, uh, and services. We recently announced a contract that's been signed with the, J- the uh, John Howard Society uh, in uh, Regina, which will serve as the uh, provincial lead on this and, and to get our first three integrated youth services uh, uh, projects up and running in the province with, you know, hopefully the opportunity to expand that once we get those ones off the ground. And again, that looks at all areas of government health, uh, social services, housing, corrections and policing, education, um, any number of of these areas, the justice system as well, and uh, and I just think it's something that that is a goal for our government and a priority for us to make sure that that we are all working together and making it easier for people to access those supports, whether it's housing, whether it's any of these other things that they need.
0: The conversation about mental health and addiction support has also included natural supports, uh, the people within a person's social circle. In remote communities, this often means friends, family, and other informal supports take a large role in mental health and addictions care. What programs and services does the government of Saskatchewan offer to aid these natural supports?
1: Yeah, excellent question. And I think that speaks to how flexible we have to be when it comes to what types of programs and supports work for, for individuals, right? What, what may work for a person in, in Regina might be different in, you know, a northern community. Um, and, and we need to be able to, uh, to not only respect that, but to try to facilitate and, and foster that uh, as well. And, you know, I think um, some of that is, you know, can be dealt with through uh, through some of these initiatives of when it comes to, like I said, the walk-in mental health clinics and, and virtual support. But there's some other unique avenues that we have to also factor in. Um, as an example, about a year ago, we provided some, some one-time capital funding to a, uh, to a wellness camp up in Pinehouse, up in northwest Saskatchewan, where it, it allowed them to, it was operating as kind of a, as a seasonal type of wellness camp for, for individuals in that area, but they, they weren't able to operate in the winter months. So we provided some capital funding to help them be able to run that program 12 months of, of the year. And essentially what that is, is it's one, it's a, yeah a land-based uh, traditional cultural healing type of uh, a method that, that they use for, for dealing with mental health and addictions for uh, community members in that area. Something that works very well uh, in that area. And, uh, and I think is, is there's some interest in it being replicated in other parts of the province as well. Um, so that's just one example of, of where you need to be able to kind of tailor the, the, uh, that particular program or support to the needs of, to, uh, of the residents in, in that region. Um, because it doesn't do it. it any good if it doesn't you know factor in some of these some of these uh, other uh, challenges that they may face and and frankly you know what some of their uh, their historical or, or cultural uh, learnings might be and their background so and i think that's uh, that's something that we're also trying to make sure that we're focusing very closely on you know we we do have a partnership with the uh, uh, with fsin as an example when it comes to funding for uh, whether it's you know suicide prevention awareness uh, initiatives and mental health and, and addictions initiatives um, we provide some funding th- to them through a partnership that, that we have uh, as an example Saskatoon we have a couple of funding arrangements with the Saskatoon Tribal Council both for for some uh, mobile addiction supports but also a new mental health that ed- uh, supports uh, uh, mobile support in in the city of Saskatoon for their, uh, their member First Nations that are part of the Saskatoon Tribal Council. So those are the, the discussions we have with with First Nations and, and Northern and remote leaders to make sure that we're, we're tailoring what we're doing so that it really does have a positive impact for, for their community members.
0: Some really great feedback on those land-based programs as well. And um, yeah. not only the results that they've had for the individuals that go through the program, but for the community as a whole. So it's really nice to hear that they will be expanding. What do you see as the role of municipalities being in supporting the mental health and well-being of their citizens?
1: Well, I think there's an opportunity for us to all be working more closely together uh, as government leaders at the municipal level, uh, level, the provincial level, and and federally as well. You know, I'm very grateful and I've had the opportunity to, um, as an example, be at, at the SUMA convention and uh, whether it's in uh, some of the, the breakout sessions or, or the bear pit, you know, these questions come up. I know that SUMA does have, you know, they have a working group that's, uh, that is, has a number of mayors specifically focused in, in this area of mental health and addictions. I recently had an opportunity to chat to, uh, with uh, the mayor of Yorkton, uh, Mayor Hipsley, um, in terms of uh, leadership that, that he's providing and that's along with the other mayors that are serving on that working group. And, um, you know, and we've had a number of those conversations uh, with, uh, you know, couple with the working group, but also individually with mayors as well. I've had that, uh, that opportunity to have those discussions and we really are all... You know, it's interesting because we'll we'll have these discussions about you know what are you know what is it that the provincial government is trying what seems to to be working maybe you know what perhaps isn't working as well as we'd like. And then similar, I'll ask the similar questions from from municipal leadership. And, you know, when I was um, earlier this summer, I I was trying to get around to visit as many communities as as I could as the minister responsible for mental health and addictions and seniors in rural and remote of health. And uh, whenever I did that, you know, pop into a community and talk to the local mayor and council or the Reeve of the RM or whoever it happened to be and have these discussions about what is it that you're trying here in this community? What are some of the unique challenges that you face here, right in your, in this, you know, neck of the woods that you're in, in in Saskatchewan? And what seems to be working, what advice can you give us as a provincial government, where can we provide, perhaps provide some support as well? Where can we, as I spoke to earlier, kind of tailor some of the programs that we're offering in some other centers to perhaps help out in this community? So I think everybody is uh, very much aligned in what we're, what we're trying to do, um, recognizing that this, you know, the area of mental health and addictions is a growing area for all governments. It's a growing area of conversation. It's a growing area of concern for all of us. So I think we're all trying to, to do as much as we can to, to work closely together to make sure we're providing you know the best possible support we can for the citizens that we're elected to represent.
0: And as you said earlier in our conversation, too, these issues are uh, federal, provincial, municipal. And so having those conversations, especially between the provincial and the municipal governments, is so valuable and can really help everyone move forward. Because as you said, too, we're all just kind of trying to figure it out as we as we go along and address things in the best way possible. You have participated in SUMA's convention in the past, and we're looking forward to having you back in our bear pit at convention 2023. The annual Suma Convention is a great way for our members to connect with not only each other, but with the provincial government, and that Bear Pit session is a staple of the convention. It provides our membership with an opportunity to speak with provincial leaders directly. What do you feel is the value of provincial ministers attending the Suma Convention?
1: yeah you know it's it's a really good opportunity and not that you know these conversations don't happen throughout the year and in, in each of our uh, various portfolios and 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 not only that is mLAs right you know in our constituencies that we represent, we also have these 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 conversations these discussions these debates about some you know some of the directions that, that we're taking but i i do think it's a you know a really good opportunity for us I, i've had the opportunity to do it a couple of times now uh, at, at the SUMA convention and it just it, it really is a great chance to to connect with with local leadership mayors councillors uh, you know administrative folks at, at in various municipalities right across this province to to uh, you know really get a temperature check of, of what's going on out there and uh, and, and again I think we, we really endeavor to make sure that that's not the only touch point that we continue to to have uh, not only the conversation but make some decisions about uh, about where we're going in, in the future and and that does you know that plays an important role for, for us I know for, for me as the minister when um, when we uh, head into the SUMA convention we obviously try to you know think of what might be coming up and prepare for you know for the discussions that, that will be raised there um, but as we prepare for the budget cycle and go throughout the, the year on an annual basis trying to factor in what is it we are hearing from municipal leadership uh, in terms of being uh, those that are uh, I would argue uh, are most closely connected on the ground uh, you know even more so than us as provincial politicians but uh, people that serve as as mayors and uh, councillors for the municipalities are really plugged into to what the the priority areas are for for their communities and so we take that back I take that back as a as minister and you know a very grateful and appreciative of, of the feedback we get and the open and honest conversation we, we we have on these issues and sometimes we don't always necessarily agree or you know see things same same way but I think it's important to have that to be able to have that open honest conversation and and debate and discussion but I think more often than not we're we're working together on these things we're bouncing ideas off of of each other trying to find just you know the best possible way that we can to support the people that uh, that we're elected to, to represent whether it's provincially municipally right across the board.
0: That's wonderful to hear. And as you mentioned, there are plenty of opportunities to connect between the provincial government and municipal leaders throughout the year. Uh, But we really enjoy having that session as that one opportunity that we know everyone will be in the same room. It, It just has such a great atmosphere to it. And we appreciate you being a part of that. So that brings me to the end of my questions for today. Thank you very much for taking the time to speak with me. I know you have a very busy schedule. I did want to end our conversation by giving you the opportunity to let us know about any other exciting initiatives that the Ministry of Mental Health and Addictions and the Ministry of Senior, Rural and Remote Health has been working on.
1: Well, that's an open-ended question. I could spend a lot of time on that, but uh, no, I, I, just a couple of things. You know, I, I think there's, there's a lot going on in this area and continues to, to be, uh, you know, pro, uh, programs and projects that are, that are underway. Uh, we're building now for, for the spring uh, budget, of course, and that work uh, starts very early. As a matter of fact, it started back in, in the fall and uh, taking a look at. You know, taking stock, I guess, essentially of the programs and supports we do have, what's working, what perhaps needs to be tweaked a little bit, um, and, you know, and and kind of making those decisions now as to, to what direction we need to take this in 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 the months ahead as part of the the next budget cycle. So I think we'll have more to say about that in in, in due course here. I guess I would just say, you know, there there is a lot in, in this area that's happening, and um, and. And I think we're we're trying to make sure that the dollars we're spending, which are significant, that they're actually making a difference in people's lives. And uh, so we need to make sure that that's always the end goal for us as as a provincial government that we are you know providing the, the supports that are required out there as best we can with you know with the dollars we have and trying to reach as many people uh, as we can. Um, there's lots of other things going on in this ministry. Of course, there's a lot of talk these days about uh, healthcare and uh, and staffing, uh, human resource challenges, and some of the the temporary services service disruptions we're uh, dealing with right now and trying to deal with and, and lots of exciting work happening in there. Minister Paul Merriman recently was on a recruitment mission to the Philippines and and a number of job offers have been provided to, uh, to folks there to, to come work in here in, in Saskatchewan. Um, I've been trying to, to do some work when it comes to, to local staffing issues with a new incentive program that we have and just trying to do everything we can to, to make sure that we're uh, enhancing and expanding our healthcare workforce in, in this province as part of our, our four points of health human resources action plan to recruit, train, incentivize and retain healthcare workers. So lots going on in that area, which, of course, also impacts mental health and addictions. And, um, you know, we're, we're having conversations uh, now with our officials about what do we need not only in the months ahead, but the years ahead. And that, uh, those are conversations with advanced education about training. Are we training enough mental health counselors? Are we training enough psychiatrists? Are we training enough registered psychiatric nurses? Because this, this is, as I said earlier, this is a growing area for us as a government. We need to be prepared for not just the, the short-term challenges we're facing, but more medium and long-term. So it's going to continue to be a priority for, for me as the minister and for us, as, as a government and I just uh, end by saying thanks to SUMA and all your members for, for everything you do uh, representing you the municipalities right across this province it's a valuable feedback and, and just vital for us as a government to be able to, to have that and, and we're grateful to have uh, such a great working relationship uh, with, uh, with your organization and uh, with that just uh, thanks for the opportunity here today
0: This brings us to the end of another episode of MuniCast Episode two of season four features a conversation with Andrew McDonald from Wanuskewin Heritage Park and will be released on February 8th, where we discuss the history of the site and what the future of the park looks like. During the 2023 Suman Convention, attendees will have the opportunity to take an excursion to Wanuskewin Heritage Park to experience it for themselves. Thank you for tuning in. We hope you enjoy listening in as much as we have enjoyed having these conversations.